It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to another episode of Leafs Talk Forever. Uh, just me and Scott again. Uh, Kyle can't be with us. He's in Halifax. Uh, we got a shorter, uh, less, I guess, action-packed podcast for you tonight, but um, we've got more just, I guess, plain Jane information that people have already known, but we're going to give our take on it. Uh, without further ado, let me introduce the brother, Scott. Hello. <laughs> All right, buddy's here. He gives the most standardized <laughs> hello. Um. All right. Well, let's get right down into it. We've got some news on the Ryan O'Reilly front. Ryan O'Reilly was injured in a game on a Saturday night, two Saturdays ago, last Saturday, two Saturdays ago against Vancouver. Took a Matthew. Yeah, uh, yeah. Took a Matthew shot off the hand. Uh, broke his finger, had surgery. He apparently is progressing, um, I guess, faster than they expected and could return to play as soon as March 27th when his long-term injury eligibility date is, um, I guess, open for him to return. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, obviously, Sean needs him. The 11-7 thing isn't working out. But... uh, I'm just glad that Toronto's going to have him back for a little bit before the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not that it's, he had a big presence on the team because he only played a couple games, but I, I feel like you can tell that they're, or just the way that they're rotating players around, that his, or a presence of a player of his caliber is missing on that on that top six uh, because you had Kerford there for a couple games and it didn't work. Yarn Crook there last game, it didn't really work out. Um, so yeah, hopefully when he comes back, he fits right back into where they were before, and Kerfoot and Yarn Crook can go back to playing the roles that they're supposed to be playing instead of trying to add two. 
Um, now, with that, it's probably going to be a Matthews-Marner uh, setup going forward, I guess, according to Sheldon Keefe. So uh, we'll get more into lineup decisions later, and sh- as well as Sheldon Keefe's, um, I guess, unique uh, ability to do nothing with the team that he was basically gifted on a silver platter by GM Kyle Dubas. Uh, but l- let's get into a little bit more of the, I guess, the prospect pool. Um, obviously, there's a couple signings. So, Scott, you want to take the first one off the board? Yeah, I'll go. Um, I, d- I don't know. I think he came from Europe. Um, Ryan Twelberg, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, no, he came from Leafs. the States. Uh, I'm assuming he'll start, obviously. Oh, did he? Like college hockey? Yeah, yeah. obviously. Uh, so then he'll obviously, I guess, start in the minors. And from what I read, well, post I saw that people were excited the Leafs had signed him. I don't, I don't know a lot about him, or I don't even really know anything about him. That's the first time I ever heard of the guy was when it was announced the Leafs signed him. So, uh, but some reaction of of some beat reporter or more Toronto media personalities, I guess, on Twitter, uh, they seemed really excited that the Leafs had gotten him. So. Hopefully he can develop into a player that can be used somewhere down the road. Uh, yeah, he's seventh round draft pick. Um, I think he was a cut or maybe played on the under eighteen team America. Um, but yeah, seventh round draft pick could be an actual gem for the Leafs. He could be a diamond in a rough kind of pick. Um, Kyle Dubas seems good at that, finding players with what people think is low potential. And, uh, yeah, I guess making them progress up the ranks and, and being a reliable, serviceable NHL player, similar to that appearing ball, although I wouldn't necessarily say he's reliable, but he's serviceable. Mm-hmm. Um, alongside that, Telpi Nimila, uh, he's coming over from Sweden or Finland, whoever, I think Finland, I think he plays in the La Liga over there. Uh, his team got beat out in the playoffs. He'll join the Toronto Marlies, I guess, this coming week, or maybe next week because it's almost Friday now. Um, keep an eye on for him. Obviously, he's supposed to be – he's got top apparently top four defense pairing potentials, so uh, keep a close eye on him and see what he can bring to the team. That will be interesting to see because you never know he could be on the Leafs next year. Uh, yeah, so keep an eye, I uh, your eyes peeled for uh, Tupi Nimala when he um, when it comes over, as well as Ronnie Herbin. Although we haven't heard anything about him yet, I would imagine that he'd probably be also making the jump to the AHL, uh, or Toronto Marlies, just to uh, give them a little bit more depth uh, come playoff time. If I actually don't know if the Marlies are in a playoff spot, I'll look right now. Um, which brings us to us last little bit of news before we get into the actual discussion. While you portions. do that, I'll just give my opinion. Okay. Because uh, I'm actually really excited that Nimala is coming over finally because, I mean, we've heard a lot about him for the last season, two seasons. Um, but with that said, obviously excited that he's going to be here. Hopefully he develops into the player everybody talks him up to be. But 
I think a similar situation to Lilligren and Sandine is that a reliance on players that shouldn't necessarily be on the team or that um, that could be acquired in the case of like a Gustafson or a Shen or whatever, I think will kind of not minimize his impact, but like um, slow his, his progression into an NHL role. Because you obviously have Riley and you have Giordano and you have Brody and then you have Timmons and then you have uh, McCabe. And I I have a feeling almost 100% guaranteed that they're going to re-sign Justin Hall for some reason. Then you have Lilligren. And then, so I I just don't see Nyamla being on, although he should be on the team next year, I just don't see it happening because of the players we currently have plus the guy that we're going to bring back that shouldn't be... uh, taking the spot of, of the younger guys. Yeah, if they do bring back Justin Hall, I'll, uh, well, you guys will be hearing me scream. Uh, just just saying this, um, the Toronto Marlies are the third best AHL team in the league. They have 59 oh, games played, 13 games remaining. They're 40-16-2 they're for 83 points. Damn. Behind only Calgary's farm team and um, what's the name? What's the name? Coach Valley or whatever. It's uh, Seattle's farm team. Oh, Coachella. Mm. Is, That's it. Is uh, is Calgary's farm still team still Adirondack? No, it's Calgary Wranglers. Mm. Also, was Calgary's farm team ever Adirondack, or was that Philly? Yeah, that was Philly. Theirs was Abbotsford. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. You know what I don't understand? Uh, probably People not. are saying... Where do you even see that? It just... <laughs> uh, what did you say? <laughs> I said probably a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Um, everyone said Cal... Or Chicago, uh, Chicago's farm team is like the best farm team in the league, and that uh, this free this trade deadline they were going to be um, improving on their farm team system so they could tra- get a chance to win the win the Calder Cup. They're fifth in the Central Division. They have sixty five points. Now, keep it in mind, the leader in that division only has seventy two, so they're not that far off. But I'm curious to see at the trade deadline if they actually fell out. You know. Maybe, but I don't know. Maybe it's just a hype thing because everybody expected Chicago to be bad, so they just kind of expected the farm team to be good. Yeah, that's true. I kind of just uh, early season predictions when everybody was saying Ottawa Senators are going to be the best team in the Atlantic Division. And then two games into the season, you could clearly tell that they weren't going to be any better than they were last year. Yep. Also, just coming down the pipe, uh, Arizona signed Josh Doan. Like, related to Shane Doan? Yeah, his son. Hmm. He's a is good... He like uh, a player, or like, he's the uh, management? Yeah, he's a player. He plays for, um, well, he played for Arizona State University, so he doesn't have to travel far to the rink. Uh, yeah, yeah, just change locker rooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Oh, uh, speaking about college hockey, you want to take the Matthew Nyes? 
Oh yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Um, so it was when this past weekend, maybe earlier uh, yeah. this week. Yeah, I think I saw it first on Tuesday. Is when I first saw it on Twitter that uh, Ken, which is division and college hockey, for those who don't know, uh, he was voted the MVP of the Big Ten division. Um, and then as well as nominated for a Hobie Baker Award, which is akin to like a Heisman Trophy, I guess, like the, the best college hockey player. Uh, and from what I saw on Twitter, a lot of people weren't, like besides Leafs fans, Leafs fans were ecstatic, but a lot of other people weren't too happy about it. Um, obviously, there was the typical, uh, it's because he's a Leafs uh, prospect that people aren't happy, but the, most people I saw weren't happy because they said that his line mates in the, Who's his line mate? Jimmy Snuggerud and and Logan Cooley. Yeah, Logan Cooley, I think. Uh, they said that they were more deserving of being it because they were the better players. Uh, but I mean, from a Leafs fan perspective, it's something to be excited about because it's just kind of solidifying the fact that he is a good player, should have some kind of impact in the NHL when he arrives. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Jimmy Snuggeroo is also a good player, but not as high of a draft pick, obviously. He's like a 29th overall pick by the St. Louis Blues, so they also got a steal. Um, and also Logan Cooley. Well, like, let's let's talk about Logan Cooley. He could have been the first overall pick last year. He might have the best NHL career in anyone that was drafted in the top five this past season or this past draft. So um, for him to be even in that conversation uh, as a second round pick who had an injury issue, and that's why he dropped to the second round. He didn't drop to the second round because of talent. He dropped to the second round because he had injuries and people didn't think he was going to be able to compete at the level that he's competing at. Toronto obviously saw that opportunity and took it and the rest is history. So good on Matthew Nyes. Just real quick. Um, that obviously, I'm not saying this is a slight to Matthews or Marner or Nylander or whoever, because having them and then adding Nymala, Hervin, and Matthew Nyes, uh, if, if Fraser Mitten turns out, et cetera, et cetera. But people are all always like the sky is falling when it brings up the topic of Austin Matthews leaving and potentially Nylander leaving. And then all we'll have left is Morgan Riley or um, not Morgan Riley, Mitch Marner. But if Matthew Nyes, Toppy Nimala, Ronnie Hervin, and Fraser Mitten, uh, and the other prospects that have been drafted the last couple of seasons turn out, and again, this isn't saying that they'll be as good as Matthews, but it, 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 people are treating it like we don't have anything down the line. Like Matthew Nyes and, and Fraser Mitten, whatever, they're probably not going to be 60 goal scorers. They may turn out to be like 80 point players, whatever. But every, like, and obviously the Matthews goal scoring will, will not necessarily be replaced if he does leave. But everybody's always like, when Matthews leaves, when Nylander leaves, you'll have nothing. But that's not true because we'll have Matthew Nyes, Ronnie Hervin, and Toppy Nymala, Fraser Mitten, potentially Rodion Amaroff if he ever uh, decides to uh, play hockey after his um, scares that he's had with his health. Yeah, so I just found it funny that everybody's always like, when Matthews leaves, Toronto has to rebuild. Toronto's nothing without him, yada, yada, yada. But, like, Toronto's already kind of rebuilt with Matthews on the team. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it also is good if all those players come up for 
for the reason of entry level contracts. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But I can't remember a team in any of. I mean, I guess football is a little bit different. Um, but like basketball, baseball, hockey, they're similar where you kind of develop a new system, or you in I guess basketball, G League, but kind of like a bench role, unless they're like a superstar. But like, and I can't remember a team in recent history that has kind of did a small rebuild. If you want to, I guess if you want to call it a rebuild, because technically they haven't really done anything in the NHL yet, so you can't call it a rebuild, I guess. But being one of the best teams in the league, I, I, I can't remember a team that has done that, where they already have four superstar players, a perennial playoff contender, and then also developed a potential system that could come in to replace or co- come in to support those superstar players and still be considered superstar players along the way. Yeah, and, and that's the, the crazy thing. The craziest thing that could happen for the Toronto Beliefs is this. They they bring in Hervin in, they bring in even let's just bring it let's bring it straight down to the bare bones, okay? So you got Matthews Nylander, Marner, uh Tavares Bunting. Okay, let's just say they, they have those five players re signed after this year. I I'm hoping that they've re signed a couple other people, but they got Lafferty and all those other people. But let's just say two years from now, those that's the team, that's the core up front. Then you've got Matthew Nyes coming, could potentially come this season. Then you got Ronnie Hervin, who's a def- or who's a forward. You got Pontus Holmberg, who's a forward. Potentially even Bobby McMahon, who's a forward. Um, who else are we missing? You got uh, Fraser Mitten, uh, Ryan Turv- Turverberg, or whatever his name is. Um, uh, um, uh, Rodney Amaroff, if he, yeah, Robertson, Rodney Amaroff, if he can play. Obviously, his cancer scares and everything like that is is a lot more serious than playing hockey right now. Also, if he could ever play. Uh, and I think there's one other guy we're missing. And then on defense, you would have Riley, potentially Lilligren, Jake McCabe signed longer term. And then you would be adding Nimala. Um, and there's another defenseman as well that I'm also missing here. Um, I forget his name. Uh, oh, and there's also Joe Miller. I think he might be the defenseman who also won an award at the college hockey level for, and he's a trauma belief prospect. Uh, and then there was that other guy that they drafted in the third round this this past season. His name was like uh, uh, I forget. Anyways, oh, yeah. and then um, it's eight, starts with an H, doesn't it? Yeah, Holden Meyer or something. Uh, yeah, something like that. And then on top of that, you've got Joe Wall, you've got Dennis Hillaby, and then you also have a def- uh, a Russian goaltender who's stealing the spotlight. So it's like. Toronto could have all of these people coming with their core players and all of those people would be on entry-level contracts. And people will argue, well, what about Nick Robertson? He won't be forever. The way Nick Robertson's career is going, he's not asking for $5 million. He's probably going to get a bridge deal. It's not even probably going to be worth $1 million. Wait, who's this, sorry? Uh, 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 Nick Robertson. Hmm. Just going to look. There's one other guy. I know I'm missing uh, the the third round pick was named Moldenhauer. The guy whose name starts an H was Hild was uh, that I was thinking of was Hildeby. Yeah, Hildeby. Yeah, he's a Swedish goalie. Yeah. Um, just looking quickly, I know this guy tweeted about him just the other day. 
Um, come on. Uh, I forget where it is. He's a Russian guy. His name's like, it starts with a G. Um, I'll just type in Maple Leafs Prospects and see. There's no way I'm going to be able to say this guy's name. I know it, but... Um, oh, Ty Voigt. That's the other guy. And there's Brian Laskowski. Or yeah. Laswowski or Laswowski. Um, damn, I can't I can't believe I forgot this guy's name. One second. Uh, oh, it's... Uh, Yikes, this is going to be difficult. Nikita Grabyonkin? Uh He's a Russian forward. Oh, and then there's uh, Simeon Durachevsky. Oh, yeah, Nick Abrugizi. And, and we're not saying all these players are going to work out. There's also Dmitry Ozhenikov. We're not saying all these players are going to work out. Don't take that as what we're saying. We're just simply saying that all these players have uh, good potential to even if they even if they come over to the AHL and they have uh, depth roles, it still gives Toronto cap flexibility. Uh, the Russian goalie's name I'm going to totally butcher this. His name is I'm going to assume that's Arthur Arthur Akinov Akinov. Anyways, he's in the VHL, which is the K- uh, KHL's farm team. His save percentage on the year is a 9.43. In, in 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 like Russian junior or minor league, yeah, the league was? it's like it's like tier two, yeah. I mean that's not bad. How old is he? Uh, I think he's like nineteen, twenty years old. Yeah, I mean you can add in. Obviously, he has he'll probably have a few years in Russia before he has any say of coming yeah. over. He um, is yeah. twenty one. I just thought it was interesting that uh, people are always when the discussion of Matthews comes up that the sky is falling. But like again, not saying that they're going to turn out to be a sixty goal scorer or a hundred point player, but uh, the bigger name prospects that we have in Nyes, Nymala, Hervin, and Mitten, Voigt, um, they should at least be solid NHL players that could replace the production of of the players who are. You know, leaving and and we can't afford and whatnot. So it's it's, and, it's only a positive to look at in the future. And the interesting thing about what Toronto is doing right now is they're 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 leaving these guys unsigned, right? So then there's no chance, like there's no chance at all that they're. I mean, they're not going to burn any years of their entry level deal or anything because they're not playing. Um, excuse me, in Russia, or they're playing in Russia or Finland or Sweden or whatever, but you'll know when it's time for these guys to come over because Toronto will always leave themselves a spot. So they left themselves a spot for that Turvenberg. They've left themselves a spot for Matthew Nyes. They're going to be leaving themselves a spot for all these other players, including this goalie that, that I mentioned, who just seems to be phenomenal. In his last 10 games, he's had a 960 save percentage. Like That's intense. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. It just seems... Like you're right. Like obviously, the people are saying the sky is falling. Losing Matthews is obviously going to be an incredibly big deal. I get it. At the same time, though, it's almost like it's almost like 
because Toronto hasn't had a perennial first round pick, you know what I mean? Like that, that Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the Taylor Hall, the Nelyakapov, so on and so forth. People are forgetting. Although Toronto did have that situation with Matthews, Nylander, and Matthews, Nylander, and Marner all within like subsequent years of each other, they instantly think that Kyle Dubas has just forgot about the playoff or the roster or the prospects. Uh, Sorry. When in actuality, he hasn't. He's just gotten like Frazier Mitten was supposed to be a first round pick, fell. They got him in the second round by trading the first round pick to clear Peter Morazic's contract off the books. Similar situation to what they did with Matthew Nice. They wait till the second round pick to get a first round talent that fell. Yeah. I think a lot that has to do with that is the, um, what do I want to call them? Like, I guess like the older generation, the, uh, the, I guess old school hockey fans who, who are, maybe they're not even just all necessarily old school fans, but they have that old school way of thinking where they rip on Kyle Dubas for picking, uh, Ty Boyd and, and Rodian Amaroff and, and whoever else because they don't play the physical gritty style that everybody expects the Leafs to need. And then they compare them to past drafts of um, whatever the other guy's name was. can't remember his name now. Um, he was like the, the assistant, him and his brother, Hunter. Um, where oh, all they yeah. all they did was draft like, like I don't think there's, and barely any of their player, players that they drafted while they were members of the Toronto Maple Leafs have done anything in the organization, in the NHL, in North American professional hockey. And everybody always, whenever Dubas makes a pick, whenever the Leafs make a pick in the last three, four years, they always jump back to, he's not as good at drafting players as Dale Hunter or, or whatever Hunter it was. He, he needs to draft physical players. Like Toronto has a history of drafting physical players. And you know why you never hear them? Because they don't work out. Ryan Burke literally traded up to draft Tyler Biggs. You know who he could have draft, drafted instead? Nikita Kucherov. Why? Like, like they're just dumb. Why would you say, take the best player there? It doesn't matter their play style. It doesn't matter if they're 260 pounds and will punch you in the face. Like, if, if you think they can help you win in the case of a Rodian Amaroff, a Ty Boyd, a Midwinner, like, you don't need a 260-pound goon in the first round when odds are that guy's going to be playing fourth line minutes and do nothing for the team, just like every other style of uh, that style of player that Toronto's picked in the last 15 years. Has any of them ever actually worked out? No. You know why? Because they're not, they don't work in the system. And even if they did work in the system, that style of hockey's on its way out. So why waste the pick on a guy who fights five times a game throws 80 hits when you could pick a guy who puts up 80, 90 points a season and yeah, you may get on hit, but if you're winning the game, it doesn't really matter. That is true. That is very true. It's just reading uh, a little off topic here. Um, Florida's beat Montreal seven to three in the first period. It says Montreal's first game since the eight two loss or eight three whatever loss to Colorado. I think so. Yikes! Also, this picture was, uh, I'm looking at on Facebook quickly is just the uh, it's about Florida Stadium. It's yeah. like three quarters empty, and the 
caption says, "Has the snow have all the snowbirds returned back to Canada, or is the fans are the fans still stuck in traffic?" Um, or third option is that the fans don't care anymore because Florida's not a playoff spot, so it's going to go back to similar Florida fan numbers because they don't have the excitement of playing playoff hockey. Well, I mean, technically, they could still make the playoffs. Yeah, and if they do, the stadium will probably be full. But as of right now, they're not in a playoff spot. They're, what, seven seven points behind Pittsburgh? Something like that, yeah. With, like, what, 15 games left? So odds are they're not going to make the playoffs. That's true. Um, true enough. Yeah. The Montreal thing is funny. Lose eight, whatever, to Colorado, and then lose seven, whatever, to Florida. Potentially, of course, Florida could still score again, I guess. But um, yeah, it just uh, ended the first period. Just ended at seven to three, and they're going on a power play. First period. <laughs> yeah, man, that sucks when you have the greatest goal scorer of all time in Cole Caulfield. Uh, he's injured. Oh, that's why they're losing seven two. It all makes sense. They don't have the uh, eighty goal scorer in Cole Caulfield to. Uh, Sorry, the eight-career goal scorer in Cole Caulfield to uh, to jack up their numbers. Um. Also, just have you seen the Jordan Binghamton thing? Oh yeah, the fight that he or the kind of not really a fight, but people called it a fight that he got into last game. Well, it should have been a fight. Realistically, it should have. There's no reason yeah. why the, the the linesman had to stop that. I think it's funny though because um, the other day Fleury and Reimer were like staring each other down, and then after that happened, they interviewed like in a interview questioned uh, Mark Andre Fleury. He said that it's always been on his bucket list to get in a fight in the NHL, and then not even four yeah. days later, he's trying to drop the gloves with Jordan Binnington. <laughs> yeah, and. Um... You know, my my conspiracy theory about the whole thing is the NHL or the linesman stepped in because the NHL likes the publicity that Jordan Bing- Bington brings, like the conversations. But apparently he's not tough at all. Yeah, but then when he gets it, yeah. So if he gets the crap kicked out of him, it'll kind of ruin the yeah the uh, mysticism. Like, like uh, his, Jeff Merrick just described it as like a heel in the WWE. It's like the WWE's heel, like the biggest heel in the WWE always has that, obviously the WWE's backing to win match, matches, but there's always that one person that whoops his ass and then makes the heel turn. You know what I mean? Like, and then he's mm-hmm. just not relevant anymore. And he thinks that that, like he said, that's, and I, I agree with him. It's like, basically the NHL's probably trying to protect this guy from getting his ass beat because he runs his mouth and he, like, there's no need. Everyone keeps saying that Ryan Hartman's a grease ball and he did to him on purpose. Who cares? Jordan Bington was way out of his crease. Like he was like a good yeah. foot out of his crease when the guy is skating by, I mean, and then you blockered him. And if you watch, like if you watch the, I guess you could argue that Hartman could have went around him, but there wasn't much space. He was already in that progression to skate that way anyway, and the momentum of Bennington just carried him out of the crease, and then they kind of collided. What was Hartman supposed to do? Jump over the guy. It. Yeah, and I get it. Like, he let in, like, three goals in a row. Like, three goals on five shots or something like that. I'd be pissed off, too. But, like, as you just alluded to, par- it was partially his fault for getting in the way for, like, the momentum. But also, you're you're a foot, almost maybe two feet. Your pads were, like, what, 16 inches outside your crease? 
stay in your crease. Save the puck, and then maybe this won't happen, buddy. Or if you're going to try to be a tough guy, be a tough guy and just fight instead of... Yeah, you can tell it's all for charades. That's why after. Pardon? I said instead of just blocking him in the face and then having the linesman and refs come in to save you. Yeah, exactly. And you can tell it was all for show anyways because after the game when he was talking to his press conference, he said he's known Ryan Ryan Hartman for years and they've had their run-ins and he has the utmost utmost respect for flurry and blah 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 it's like no you know what makes a a heel better when they shit talk each other in the media if he would say like ryan hartman's a bitch for not trying to fight me and then on top of that mark andre flurry came down got the lines by attention and you know i mean like even if it's not true still say what you need speak your speak so then people actually are engaged i'm not now after i heard that i'm not engaged it's like okay this guy tried to get a fight they didn't get a fight and then after the game he comes out i was like Oh, I love Mark Andre Fleury. I looked up to him when I was a kid. Ryan Hartman and me have battled ever since we were in the Western Hockey League together. Like, no, he wasn't even in the Western Hockey League. He played for Owen Sound. Yep. Got to take one out of uh, Brad Marchand's book. What? What? But like the way he chirps and, and the comments he makes to the media. Oh, yeah. It gets people to hate him. He should take one on a Conor McGregor's book and say, Ryan Hartman's wife was in my DMs. That would have been or funny. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and he should have said, like, the toughest goalie in the league actually has to apologize to nobody. And then Mark andre Fleur and him just duke it out in the hallway. Yeah. I don't know. He's just, like, you uh, ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> makes me a little angry that like I I got I, I woke up last night like four three four in the morning and, and that was the notification I got on my phone like almost a hockey or goalie fight breaks down between Binghamton and Flurry so I watched it I'm like oh damn then I was like feeling myself today when they were talking about on the radio they're like oh big big uh, big talk from Binghamton blah 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 and then they revealed what he said and it what. Oh, and then randomly, he just changed his tune after the after the game. He was pumping up the crowd when he left when he got the game misconduct. They were losing. <laughs> True, like, but there also could have been some conversation with coaches because the last time there was a Bennington incident, uh, the St. Louis coach said he needs to shut up and just play goal. So maybe there was a words exchange between him and the coaching staff, and then he had to kind of backtrack a bit when he was talking to the media. Maybe, but that just makes him it makes him lose the tough guy act. That's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, coaches probably okay, don't so, care. Uh, they win. Well, I mean, his his coach was probably one of the ar- arguably toughest guys in his era. Not like fist fighting tough, but like pound for pound. Like muscle tough, Craig Berube. So, um, okay. So we'll uh, we'll grab a word from DraftKings, uh, and then we'll be back with a little lab discussion, Sheldon Keith talk, and then we'll put a wrap on the pod. We will be back. Break down the promo code THPN. Enjoy. 
Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college troops and get $200 in, f- in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and two of the tournament. Go to the app, opt in, and place a no-sweat bet this weekend, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. One team I'll always be cheering for in the March Madness tournament is Duke. Who doesn't like Duke? They're a legendary school. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 on bonus bets instantly, win or lose. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code, with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See notes for details. All right, we are back. THPN, promo code, write it down, win some dollars, send us some cash. Scott, you in particular wanted to talk about the lineup decisions and Sheldon Keefe. You start the conversation off. Oh, and also, um, sorry, uh, because Kyle's not here, there's not going to be a betting uh, segment. So, I mean, it's probably good for you guys because without Kyle's misfortunes, you get to save your money. Um, yeah, sorry, Scott. You uh, you wanted uh-huh. to talk about this, so I'll let you. I'll let you finish it off or start it off. Yeah. yeah. I just wrote them down. I mean, not long just before we started the podcast. Uh, just because I know there's been a lot of talk about the eleven-seven style that Dubis has been running the last couple games, and then during the game, was it last game or the game before? I think it was last game, uh, last night. We were just talking about the like if you like the eleven-seven, what your opinion on was it? Because I'm not a big fan of it. Um. Yeah, I'm not either. Sometimes I guess it would be nice because it gives guys like Nylander, Matthews, Marner a little bit more time, but um, it gives no like continuity between the pairings for, for on the defense. Like yeah, like tomorrow Riley is playing with Brody, which obviously there's some kind of familiarity there, but then Shannon McCabe are playing together. Timothy Lilligren and Justin Hall, and then Eric Gustafson to extra. What happened to Giordano? But tomorrow they're, they're tomorrow they're going eleven and seven. Saturday they're going twelve and seven or twelve and six. So I don't know who on the fence is going to be out, but but Shen's coming back tomorrow. So it's like so, so like is Gustafson the extras in the seventh or extras in Giordano's the seventh? Yeah, he. Oh, actually, that's a good question. Let me look. And while you do that, I'll just throw my opinion on it because I know 100% at this point the only way Justin Hall can keep playing because they add again, they add of the but then Shen had the uh, birth of his child so he can't And they wanted, for some reason, Sheldon Keefe at least, uh, wanted Luke Shen, or not Luke Shen, Justin Hall stand the seven when O'Reilly got hurt, uh, and then Shen in Vancouver, so that Justin Hall could stand the lineup. When O'Reilly comes back, and they have literally nine defense who could play, um, Justin Hall should not be 
one of the six that plays constantly. But yeah, so I yes. just they, they only switched to the eleven and seven, so then Justin Hall could keep playing because nobody wants him in over Luke Chen, Eric Gustafson, or Jake McCabe, or over the guys who are already on the team before those trades happen. So I'm not sure what's actually happening because tomorrow. So at at practice today, Matthews and Marner had the day off. So it was Bunch of Tavares, Nylander, Kerfoot, Lafferty, Yarncroke, Aston Reese, Campachari, Extra Simmons, Absent Matthews, Marner, Defense, Riley, Brody, McCabe, Shen, Giordano, Lilligren, Gustafson, Hall. So I have no idea who's going to be the seventh. It'll probably be Gustafson. And and, and then, Connor uh, Timmons just isn't skating with the team. Yeah, because there's no room for him. Because they added three defense and they won't stop playing Justin Hall. Yeah, but I mean, like, he could still practice with the team. Oh, well, that's true, yeah. Like, he just skates with a skills coach. Um, so maybe there's an issue that they're not talking about? Like a injury or some kind of, like, a mental health thing or something? Or maybe that is his season's pretty much over barring any injuries, so what do you mean? Like the, uh, there's no injuries and they only make it to get being the first first round of the playoffs and there's no significant defensive injuries. He's not playing. Like right now he's the ninth defensive. That's what I just said. I thought you said mental health or injury. Oh, yeah, that's what I, I get it. I no, get before that, when I, I said they added him. the three other defensemen, they don't want. No, no. Before I before I said the mental health thing, I said they added the three other defensemen, and they don't want to take Justin Hall in the lineup, so there's no room for him. And you said that he could still practice with the team. Oh yeah, I get you. I get you. Okay, we're caught up. Um, but yeah, I feel I'm, like I'm not sure. Justin. Probably. And then uh, Sheldon Keefe will give some boneheaded excuse like he did the last time with Connor Timmons where the guy was on uh, – he he had one bad play all game and so he had to be sat. But it'll probably be like uh, Gustafson didn't control the second power play unit the way they want him to, so they're, they're going to try different uh, options at that position and then Gustafson has to sit because of it. Yeah, unfortunately, probably. Um Uh, it's a kick in the pants, but probably actually the most truthful thing you'll hear on this podcast because that seems to be the MO of Sheldon Keefe. With that, I just want to mention something. A lot of people have been saying that Toronto Police don't have the killer instinct, blah, blah, blah. Killer instinct, I, I get it. It's something that you should be born with. It's like not all players have it, whatever. But at this point, there's got to be some kind of reason why every single one of the star players – there's no absolute 100% like possibility that all four core four star players on the Leafs all struggle with psychological issues when they're when it's deemed an elimination game. No way. It has to be something with the coach. If Tron loses in the first round, I don't necessarily yeah. think the owner should just be on Kyle Dubas. Yeah, which is kind of what we were talking about the other day. I mentioned we were last night is that like this specifically this year, like Toronto's had good teams in the past, and then at the deadline they didn't really do much. You could say the Felino year maybe, uh, but like this year Dubis went all out 
to give them the team they needed to make not only make it past the first round, but potentially compete for a Stanley Cup. Like the six or seven players they added are all surefire, like role player, skill player, proven veterans, Stanley Cup playoff contenders, who should help Toronto get past the the first round. But the team's still playing the exact same way they played all year. Even the new additions are falling into those same slumps, same routine, same bad habits that the team has had all year. And the only the only thing I could think of as the reason why is is Sheldon Keith. Like people could blame Dubis all they want for the playoff success this year. If he loses his job, he loses his job. But you can't say this year he didn't go all out. He didn't try to give the best possible team on the ice for them to win. And then when he did that, Shen hasn't played. He's played what one game? Gustafson's in and out of the lineup. Oh, I mean O'Reilly's hurt, but like. The just the decisions and the the the, the lineup changes, roll rolling through, switching them up mid game by Sheldon Keith is the only only reason this year I could think of as a why they are, aren't going to get past the first round because it, what he's doing, even these last couple games, just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, um, I and at this point in his at this point in his coaching career, he should have it figured out. He shouldn't have to switch up his defensive parents to build chemistry. Yeah, they added three new defensemen, one of which has only played one game, so you can't really use that as an excuse. But he shouldn't need to. Uh, Morgan Riley plays with TJ Brody, Mark Giordano, Justin Hall, and Eric Gustafson and Jay McCabe all at certain points in a whole game. You should have a solidified defense pairings who you play with constantly over a stretch of games, and then if it doesn't work, switch it. If Morgan Riley and Mark Giordano are playing and they have one bad shift, Sheldon Keith switches the whole defensive court. Like everybody's roof. Uh, Hall moves up. Uh, Gustafson gets sat. Timmons got sat. And then on forwards with the 11, like you shouldn't have or need the fact that you have an extra forward on the lineup for Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares to play 25 minutes a game. Like those guys should be playing 22 to 25 minutes a game anyway. Even if you have twelve players uh, forwards on the ice or in the lineup, so it just it just it it doesn't make sense. The stuff, at least to me, the stuff that he's been doing. Yeah, I, I see the the hard thing is you're preparing for a playoff run. Your best defenseman, or what's supposed to be your best defenseman has been basically um, MIA this whole season. Like, he's been injured. He's been terrible. He's been awful. He's a defensive liability. He's got more goals for expected against him than he produces for the team. Um, but then you get Jake McCabe and TJ Brody, who are just locked down defense. Why wouldn't you just stick them together? But for some reason, they won't. Like the lineup going, the defensive lineup going into the playoffs, game one, should be Riley and Shen. Not there's no number one pairing. That's the problem. This is what you should do. You should do Riley and Shen. They play in the offensive situations, so then Riley can get up and Shen can get be back and and body check and defend. And then when the team's best line, so for like Stamkos, Kucherov, whatever, 
That's TJ Brody and Jake McCabe. They yeah. deal with that. And then you've got Gio and Lilligren who play against the off pairings like uh, the Patrick Maroons of the world and the Brent Hagel, Nick Pauls. You know what I mean? Like that should be how you how you distribute this lineup. Like on defense, not Justin Hall, not Riley and Justin Hall, not Riley and TJ Brody, not Riley and Luke Shen or um and excuse me, Jake McCabe, not Riley and Eric Gustafson. Like, like just stick with consistency. <laughs> excuse me. Oh yeah, I agree. And uh, obviously, I don't know what other teams do. I'm sure there's some switching around. Maybe not on the. Cons- on a consistent level as Toronto does it, but like if if Toronto's top pair should be um Riley well let's just let's just hypothetically say Riley Brody as their top pair defense. Like how many other teams around the league are constantly switching who their top pairing is? Like when you go to Colorado and they have Kyle McCarr and, and and Devin Tapes and they have one bad game. Does the Colorado head coach automatically switch Devin Tays down to the last line and put another defenseman on the no? He, I mean, maybe at some points, but like consistently, usually the the top pairing is McCarr, Taves, or or like not even just call that as an example. Anybody, like if 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 Chelsea or the Leafs want Morgan Riley and TJ Brody or Morgan Riley Luke Chen to be their top pairing, then make them the top pairing. And play them together consistently. It just it doesn't make sense why you put Morgan Riley and and Lou, or uh, Giordano out to start the game, and then they have a bad shift. So then the next time Morgan Riley's coming out, and he's hopping over the boards with TJ Brody, and then ten minutes later after they have a bad shift, he's hopping over the boards with Justin Hall. Like it, it just I don't know. It just baffles my mind. Yep, and they're sure all they're all playing different. They're all playing different situations. Like sometimes Riley Brody's on and they get hemmed in. So then they switch it to Riley Giordano and they're, they, they, they go and have offensive pressure. And then a couple minutes later, Riley hops back on with Justin Hall and they get hemmed in. Like there's no actual consistency of what like areas of the game you want each defenseman to play because they're all playing different areas. Besides power play with Morgan Riley and then maybe penalty kill with Giordano, Justin Hall. Like, there's been times where every defenseman has played different roles for the team that you don't need them to play. Like, there's no reason that Justin Hall, Mark Giordano should be out there for offensive. I mean, in my eyes, there's no reason Justin Hall should be out there at all. But, like, offensive pressure and you have Mark Giordano, Justin Hall hop over the boards instead of Morgan Riley, Jake McCabe. Or they get hemmed in and go for a line change, and then instead of hopping over the boards as a defensive parent, just in case, it's Morgan Riley and, and Jake McCabe hopping over in case there's an offensive chance, but there isn't, then they get hemmed in again. Like it, I don't know. It just To me, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I'm just as confused. As per his agent, Leafs the prospect Dmitry Ovechnikov has terminated his KHL contract and has flown to Canada to join the Toronto Blues system. He'll be reporting to the HL uh, farm team, the Marlies. Uh, he has yikes! Not a good season. He had five goals, eight assists, and sixty-eight games. He had no points in three playoff games. He signed an AHL contract or ECHL last contract and will most likely join the Marlies. 
there you have it. Another Toronto, Toronto system's looking deep already, boys and girls and everyone, whomever. Uh, I just want to make one, one more point about this Sheldon Keep thing. And obviously, I guess maybe you could chalk this up as a new team, new situation. He's playing well right off the bat. He may die down a bit, but I think a perfect example to prove that Sheldon Keith often mismanages his defenseman is Rasmus Sandin. Where on Toronto, he was seen as a guy who wasn't developing at the speed they want him to, who couldn't play at the level they want him to, so he was in and out of the lineup. Who then goes to Washington and has been completely dominating in the, what, four games he's played for them? Yeah, except last night when he took a puck off the knee and now he's on for probably the rest of the season. Well, yeah, okay, but given the chance to play in the roles that everybody wanted to play in in Toronto, he excelled. Yeah. But for some reason, when he was on Toronto, he was never given those chances to play in those roles. And if he was, if he made one mistake, they automatically just switched him back to in the lineup or playing third line, third pair of minutes. But Washington's proving that if you would have gave him that chance and actually let him play those minutes consistently or in a, in a way that he wanted to, he could have been a solid defenseman. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah, he had, uh, I think, three, three, four points in his first game. So, be yep. that, buddy. Yeah, be that. Whatever that is. Huh? You said eat that, and I said whatever that is. Oh, yeah. He had um, nine, point, nine points in six games. In the 52 games he played for the Leafs, he had 20. So imagine that. Playing a player in in areas and situations that would benefit their skill levels actually makes them play better. Yeah, it's too bad that they didn't uh, try and trade um, Shel- uh, what's his face there? Sheldon Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Riley, sorry. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't been good in four years. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say he hasn't been good. He hasn't been on the level of what he was four years ago. Well, yeah, that's true, but I mean... I don't know why the NHL doesn't do that. Because in the NFL, you can trade coaches. Can you imagine? Can you? Yeah. There's been a couple yeah. times where coaches have been traded. I'll take uh, I'll take John trades. Cooper. Well, no, no, they don't trade coach for coach. They trade coaches for like picks and stuff. Okay, I'll still take John Cooper. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> that though? Like breaking news: the Toronto Maple Leafs have traded Sheldon Keefe to the Columbus Blue Jackets. In return, they get like Johnny Johnny Goudreau in a first round draft pick. Whoa, what's Sheldon Keefe <laughs> worth? Well, I mean, if you ask if you ask nothing. some people, he's one of the best coaches in the NHL. Come on, yeah, BS. <laughs> what are you good for? All right, Absolutely fine. We'll take uh, we'll take uh, uh, John Tortorella from 2005, and uh, and uh, old old Rick Nash, and then and we'll trade John Tortorella to ESPN. For Kevin Weeks, just so we can always have him like wearing pylons or hiding behind plants when he's setting his lineups and stuff. Ah, perfect plan. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna trade Sheldon Keefe to uh, New Jersey for Lindy Ruff, and then I'm gonna package Lindy Ruff and Justin All for John Cooper. Yeah, why wouldn't they do that? I know they're getting the greatest defenseman of all time. Yeah. For a very weak uh, Sheldon or uh, John Cooper. 
Seems like a no-brainer, buddy. Anyways, <laughs> I think that might be it for us. You got anything else, Dad? Uh, no, I don't know. Alrighty, well, we got about uh, 14 games, I think, remaining over the span of the next probably month. I think the last game is the 14th of April. Uh, we're coming down to the dog days of the season where things just seem to be going by so damn slow because you want the playoffs. However, I think three Wednesdays from now, well, three Wednesdays from yesterday, let me just verify this quickly. There's going to be a, a, a almost a can't-miss game. It is two Wednesdays from yesterday, so they don't play this Wednesday, but the 29th of March, they play the Florida Panthers. I have Actually, they play Florida, the Florida Panthers next Thursday, too, but the, the, the Wednesday's at home. So next Thursday and the Wednesday after that, so the 23rd and the 29th, are can't-miss games. The Toronto Maple Leafs and Florida Panthers have developed a little bit of a rivalry. Last game was basically uh, the quite opposite of a snooze fest, and there was a lot of physicality in that game. Um so make sure you keep those two games marked on your calendar. And the last game of the season is the 13th where they play Florida, Tampa, and then end the season against the Rangers. Um, a lot of good hockey in the next little bit. So hopefully that keeps us entertained, including a Boston, Montreal, Florida, Tampa Rangers finals with this season. So hopefully Toronto can get some rest because they play some, some weaker teams like Columbus and Detroit as well. Anyways, um, yeah, so so keep it locked with us and uh, subscribe to our website, check out our social media accounts, check out our individual social media accounts. I think Kyle's got about one one follower, and I think it's just me, actually. Actually, I think it's just a <laughs> podcast who follows him. So yeah, I don't, I don't really that. tweet on anything, so. Yeah, I pretty much tweet on everything possible. Yeah, uh, I usually so just that, retweet something if I'm interested in the topic or. But I don't actually tweet myself. So. Well, it seems as though Kyle's only tweeted about baseball, which is kind of funny because he actually does a hockey podcast with us. But, um, uh, yeah, I think we're the only – like our podcast is the only follower he has on Twitter. So, boo, you suck. Get on here with your one follower. That's what I'm going to say to him next time we get into a heated argument on the podcast. I'll be like, uh, Twitter check? Yeah, you got one follower. Shut your mouth. Yeah, and then he'll be like, it's uh, not 20 20- – 17 anymore. Nobody cares. About <laughs> I'm like, all right, Instagram check. Oh, you have more followers than me. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Anyways, uh, stream with that. Check out our Twitter. Check out our Instagram. Uh, check out our website. And uh, yeah, like I said, keep it locked. Enjoy your week, and we'll, we'll see you next week. Peace. Thanks.